Ladies and gentlemen, stand cheer for the Bulldog Fans Podcast. Here's your hosts, Matt and Scott, on their way down the tunnel at ANZ Stadium, on their way to the microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up. Go up as one for Matt and Scott, the NRL Bulldogs Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Bulldogs Fans Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm joined by Matt. I don't even know if I should ask how you're going because a 66 nil kind of tells me not well. Just when you think it can't get any worse, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Players held out the game due to COVID and then to have to sit through 80 minutes of one-sided traffic. Don't worry about the lockdown in Sydney in general that we're both stuck in. Um, <laughs> don't worry about that because I thought, you know, turn on the footy this week and, you know, there's always a great escape where you can just, you know, watch the footy for two hours. We, we watch pretty much every game mm. anyway. And we enjoy the game as a whole. But then watching that one, oh, 66 nil. But yet, I didn't turn it off for it at all. I watched from kickoff to the final full-time whistle. Um, yeah. Some people call us crazy, but that's we've been dealt that a whole life, I guess. Oh, but it's, yeah. a good, it's a good way to put it, isn't it? Because um, we're hearing a lot of commentary at the moment of um, at least fans who can't get to the ground can actually still watch their team on TV and get a little bit of an escape out of that. Mm. Um, yeah. what, it made my mood even worse. <laughs> yeah, I was doing exactly all right with the lockdown until then. <laughs> yeah, exactly the same. Lockdown I did have, felt worst. I did have the thought, though, um, maybe it was lucky that we weren't at the game. Yeah, I had that thought, too. Someone said, oh, you know, you're like, lucky you didn't go to the game and you know, lucky you went there. Could you have made a difference? And I was like, well, no, physically I can't make a difference, <laughs> but I could have, you know, cheered or whatever or booed. But seeing Turbo in his purple patch of form that we've never seen, like mm. someone as individually as good, like you think of Jared Haynes, 2009. You think of Ben Barber in 2012. Uh, you know, <laughs> and somewhat, you know, you think of like these individual players that just recently came through, like, you know, have had that year where they just feel like they can't be touched or tackled or whatever. They've got super strength, super speed and all that, and they just can't be taken down. You don't like the team, Manly, but <laughs> sometimes they're fun to watch, though. When Turbo's off and running. Turbo's fun to watch. Merely never fun to watch. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. Anyway, we'll get into that game a little bit later on, and we'll talk about the fact that Jeremy Marshall King has, re- has uh, re-signed with the Bulldogs, a two-year contract. Uh, good performances this year. Um, what do you, What's the thoughts originally on this one? Well, we need a hooker, so it's good that we've got one, <laughs> at least. Yeah, he uh, saved, saved the chop as well, I guess, in one sense. Yeah, look, well-deserved. I um, I don't think he would have got too much of a pay rise or, or anything like that. It would have just been a renewal of uh, current contract. Um, and that makes a lot of sense if that was the case. Yeah, the, it, that's the thing. that Because obviously we we can't ask for the money and it'd be rude for us to ask what money he's on. You start mm. to think, like, is this a contract where he's on now? I wouldn't imagine he'd be on mega bucks or anything like that. So it could make sense that we could sign another hooker and have you know two hookers sharing the reins for uh, next year and beyond. Uh, don't know who that is. If like you know, you start thinking of some of the Penrith youngsters like that Mitch uh, Kenny from Penrith. If yeah. he's if he's coming over, like you know, that would make sense. But then, did we if we did sign Marshall King, are we putting the you know faith in him at at his best? Great player. Um, I don't know. You start to think that we've all been saying we need a hooker. And we've if we put that with one thing we don't know is if we put all our faith into Jerry Marshall King to being that number nine and being that long term hooker for our club and will he be the right man? 
for that? Well, at the moment, we're being linked to every hooker and their dog. Uh, Rich Kenny, Brandon Smith, uh, a few others out there as well. Um, Hope Hevington as well. Yeah. I, I think um, Jeremy Marshall King's best position would be interchange hooker slash utility. I think we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But going forward, if we signed a, uh, a hooker like Mitch Kenny to be our full-time hooker, Marshall King on the bench for when the full-time hooker needs a break or a breather, and then if there's an injury, Marshall King has shown himself versatile enough to play centre um, as a feel-in in the halves and that type of thing. So I think that's where he probably fits best into an NRL team at the moment. Um, if I got my dream choice, I'd go Brandon Smith. That would be that would be awesome. The hectic cheese. Well, congratulations to uh, uh, Jerry Marshall King. But also, unfortunately, he can't celebrate too much this week because he's been suspended. Uh, he'll miss the next two matches. He's taken the only guilty plea for a crusher tackle on Morgan Harper. Um, I don't know how you can determine a crusher tackle with that hair on what Morgan's carrying on his head. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, and I have a cinnamon fan guy will be out for a match as well. So you start to talk about some of our better performance this season. Uh, Ava's been, you know... Yeah, it was a bad game. 66 nil and lose two players to suspension. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Ava's been one of the well-performing ones. Like, you see, like, a defensive... I don't know, when we've been at the games, I just notice when he comes on the field, like, you know, the aggression and defence lifts, and he always runs hard. So he's leadership. been one of the performance... Yeah, he's been a performer this year. Well, mm. well said, leadership. So it's going to be a massive loss. And then Jerry Marshall King, where you saw what he did to the Dragons... Who tore him apart almost by himself. He brought his friend Jack Avrillo to the party. Not that the Dragons need help tearing themselves <laughs> apart at parties. <laughs> well, we might have to go into a little segment about how stupid <laughs> they are shortly. Um, so that is um, that one wrapped up. Unfortunately, uh, a sponsor has uh, well, obviously had to depart the Bulldogs because they've gone into administration. That's uh, on solar. So just thought would have the thing that you might have noticed the boys wearing the white over there a white sticker yeah, type white patches on their, over there. on their shoulders yep yeah so unfortunately on solid joined actually this year not just before the season unfortunately i don't know if it's a 100 if it's a covid related thing but i know that wouldn't have helped with lockdowns and everything like that but i just wanted to uh, thank them for their you know short stint of support i mean it's not it hasn't been a massive thing but hopefully everyone involved there can get back on with their feet shortly yeah agreed um, we'll talk about this one a little bit later when we talk about the Bulldogs and Roosters. Four of the five players who were uh, sanctioned for their COVID breaches uh, back into the uh, run on 17 or named in the 17 to play this week. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit in more depth later. Um, you can't really say you're too surprised after a 66-0 loss. Like, there wasn't performers, I guess, to, you know, hold. But, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, and the club released a statement saying the uh, the COVID boys as well face the board yeah apparently the the five players that were that had the COVID breach are being brought in to face the board sometime this week um not sure if that has happened or not yet but it's an interesting move given that what's been reported on so far is that the club itself has been fined because uh, quite a large sum of money and the players were fined smaller amounts of money uh due to the fact that it was apparently deemed by the nrl and it's also been reported that the club put its hand up saying it was their fault um, more so than the players, not giving proper enough uh, information to the players when it came down on time, uh, which had us questioning communication inside the club after the real changes at Magic Weekend as well. 
But now that the players are being pulled in front of the board, it's kind of, I don't know, it looks a bit contradicting to me. Mm, is it one of those things where they almost saved a player from being in deeper trouble by saying that it was our fault, but it's not really, we'll just pay that. But now that we've lost a sponsor, not because of the COVID breach or anything, but like we've lost a sponsor, there's 50 grand gone, we've lost the rest of the sponsorship money. Yes, the club's already spoken about they've got a waiting list for sponsors and certain things, but which just haven't been replaced yet, as yet, and they said they're looking to replace it next year mm. as their main focus before they look at this year. So there's money being lost there. There's money going out because of these COVID breaches. Then there was reports that Dylan Napa didn't turn up to training the next day because he had too much to drink as well. So I'm just not saying they're all linked together, but like, you know, the club's taking a 50 grand hit for you guys. It's probably saved you guys a little bit of extra money as well because they've taken a big mm. brunt of the responsibility. And, you know, like, I don't know. It was a bit of an interesting time. Like, I don't know if anyone did any risk assessment on, on Solar to see how they were actually pulling up with this COVID year and, Whatever, but no, it just I don't, don't think you can go too far down that. Dylan Napa, that's the first I've heard of that. Um, oh, I just that's reports I don't want to mention as a 100% fact. It was, uh, yeah. I think Michael Chemmings on Twitter saying that he didn't turn up and then a couple of them turned up intoxicated to to the training session after. So, um, uh, we'll leave it like we don't want to accuse of any player of maybe doing he's, it. Maybe he's got some mates at the Dragons, yeah, maybe. <laughs> There, but uh, we'll go into now the actual uh, banquet uh, Saturday afternoon at Bankwest Stadium. Uh, 66 nil, Seagulls defeat the Bulldogs to rub even more salt into the wound. That's this Manly Seagulls' biggest ever win in their history of their club. Yeah, well, at one point I thought they were going for the biggest ever win in the history, um, mm. which would have taken over a record that we hold, unfortunately, on the wrong end of a. I think it was 91-7 or 91-6 yeah. match. Um, 1935? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. No, I think it was 87-7 the next week. <laughs> oh, man. Let's just break this down. Back in three-point tries back then, I will say. <laughs> Jeez, imagine... Oh, I mean, this would have been a bit nicer. But look, at the 66-0, um, it could have easily been 80 or close enough to 80 because there was two or three tries uh, taken off Manly. And the one try I think of, which we got pretty lucky on, was the Ben Chavoyevich try. No, I was I was calling straight away. I I felt like that like that made no impact. Now nah, before merely got across the uh, halfway line, I was saying obstruction. I, I I didn't think it made much of. It. Doesn't I matter. I mean, I no, I think the the call, but I'm just saying like it was lucky like not to. There was a I think there was a couple other tries taken off them as well, which is. Rightly so, it doesn't matter. But I'm just saying, could you imagine if, you know, they got these ice, those moments, there's three tries there, there's 18. And Ruben Garrick looked like he wasn't missing a kick from anywhere. He was no, kicking them from... You got 11 from 11. But um, could you imagine an extra 18 points on that? Yeah. Because that could have easily been that, uh, what would that have been, 82 nil? Yeah. Yeah. That could have easily been the... 84? 84 nil. Yeah, there you go. That was quick math on top of my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this, well, it could have been because uh, Garrick would have hit one off the post. Um, yeah. But no... But that could have easily been an 80-point win. And we had to get lucky. The bunker was uh, caught into a few times. And then a lot of the times I felt in that game that the Seagulls lost, uh, not didn't have ultimately amount of respect for the Bulldogs trying to score off every play, putting crossfield kicks in when you normally... Well, if you were scoring every couple of minutes, you would be too. Anyone would be. Yeah, Um, I know. But I'm just saying, if they actually just knuckled down in those moments, they probably would have cost themselves two or three tries in their own. Maybe. Who knows? Um, the obstruction one is um, 
black and white these days. So it doesn't oh, no, matter if I, it doesn't affect I, it. I agree with the call. Yeah. I agree with the call. I'm just saying it was just well, well lucky that happened. Yeah, but look, at the end of the day, Ruby Garrick's goal kicking makes it look a lot worse too, doesn't it? You got 11 from 11. How many times do NRL teams, when they score 11 tries, kick 11 goals? Never. If they score 11 tries, they normally kick seven. Yeah. So what's that? It's four misses, eight points difference. Let's take it down to 58 nil. It doesn't sound as bad as it actually is. Does it? Uh, no, it doesn't. 58 nil is a big difference between. There's a big difference between 58 nil and 66 nil in the minor rugby league people. So if you break it down like that, there's that as well. But you can't sugarcoat a thrashing like that. Um, some of the the young guys on the boo struggled um, as well. Uh, not their fault. Put in uh, way too early because of other circumstances. And but, overall, it was just a. It's a really dark day to be a Bulldogs fan. But um, I think Hannah Hollis in the press conference trying to get Trent Barrett to say something along the lines of "It's the darkest day in club history," and he just brushed it. Was pretty funny. Um, I wouldn't have liked to be around to watch those two weeks in 1935. Mm, but not to mention all the salary cap scandals and rape allegations. Yeah, but just put this a little bit of perspective. You said the three players who had to debut because of the circumstances of the COVID guys. Uh, Tr- Trent Barrett spoke about him and said, like in in the press conference, said along the lines like, "Hopefully these these guys watch this and you know they contributed to this, right?" It was part yeah. of their fault, which is it's a fair the fair statement. Yeah, he made a harsh statement on those guys, made it look like the, you know they've really been like you know thing. Four of them have been accepted back into the side. I know, again, injuries and suspensions might have helped a couple of them back into the, the side. But he could have picked... He had Rana Fatoni, Ophiki Ogden, Dean Britt. All available to be selected yeah. to play. But he chose to go for a 19-year-old prop or 19-year-old forward on the interchange bench, uh, which you look at his game, he made a couple of errors from the get-go. And can't blame the poor guy, like you know. Then you ha- we had uh, Bailey. Uh, I could always get this. Beyond Odo, but Odo on the interchange bench, but I think he played fantastic. Uh, what yeah. he could have done, the game was already wrapped oh, up yeah. before he would even touch the field. Um, but Manu in the center, I mean, you had to do something. But then you start to think, do if we kept Dallin Watney's Lesniak, we would have had this covered. Yeah, but you and can't make player recruitment decisions on what oh. if next week five players Oh, no, I agree. COVID. But he had players who were NRL experienced players. Who were, I mean, I'm not saying they deserve to be an NRL player yeah. week in, week out, but he would have had players who have played over 20 games, who've been there, who've been in wins, you know, who know what the what NRL's like. Last 20 games. Well, yeah, I'm not, but I'm just saying like Ogden and Tom, uh, Ogden and, uh, Tony. Oh, Tony, thank you. I always... Oh, Tony, them two. They've been around for a while. Yes, they haven't had a great season overall. Yeah, but look, at the same time, it's hard to be critical of that. When we read the team out last week, we were being... We are praising him for doing that. So... No, I did question... I did question straight away with these players. Yeah, we did, but then we praised him for taking the bold decision to go in the direction he went. And, you know, it, it just has a... It just, didn't come off in a great way. If we lost this game 30 nil, 40 nil, we'd say, ah, oh, well, to be expected with the COVID stuff, and we wouldn't even question it as much. It's just that it got to the extremes that we're but that we dig it a bit. Another, but another coaching, I think, issue was Kyle Flanagan's 
lack of not lack of performance in Kyle's thing is that I couldn't remember him touching the ball in any attacking play. Well, you lose sixty six nil and thirty eight percent of the position. No, yeah, I you know, don't but we get had too many attacking we, balls, and when we yeah, did we get attacking have... balls, Jacob Avarillo uh, t- was taking control because Kyle Flanagan was playing on the edge. It was yes. good to get the insight from his father to, uh, early on in the game in the commentary box to let us know what the game, what the plan was. But yeah, like Barrett said in the press conference, you can't talk about um, halves' performances. In no, that. yeah, you can't talk about halves' performances, and I'm not blaming Kyle Flanagan in any stretch of the imagination. This blame is going. Br- uh, straight onto Trent Barrett, is that it, when we got in a couple times in the thing, that Feigen didn't touch the ball because he just never was able to be given the ball to do anything about it. He leads the try assists for Canterbury this year, mm. and he hasn't played for the last couple of weeks. If he's leading the try assists and he's playing 5-8, you know, I'm not saying he has to be first receiver, but he's someone that we could have used a lot more there, and we didn't use it. I don't think we had the opportunity to. No, we It'd had... It would be interesting to see... When we get fifty percent of the ball, yeah, how that we, would have played out. We could have had more. Thirty-eight percent of, of the ball is not enough. Yeah, but we could have had more of the ball if we used Flanagan to put a kick in the end goal. No, get a repeat was, set. Nothing was saving us in this game. No, but it's the coaching. Flanagan's this, repeat sets haven't been good this year. No, haven't been good this year. He's been played injured this year. We we wouldn't know because he couldn't touch the ball. He he called for the ball. I counted like three or four times where he wanted the ball and went the opposite direction from him. In yes. the first half, so it was Avarillo's team. Yes, it was Avarillo's team, but like we got to, we got to use him. Like I just feel like it's it's almost... too hard to be critical of one performance where we had thirty eight percent of the ball, lost sixty six yes. nil, dominated in every aspect of the court, have a go at the game plan of flooding it on the left edge. We no. need to have a fifty fifty percent of the ball be in the game at some point and not have points scored against us in the first couple of minutes and non stop to see if that plan would work. Didn't like just obviously it won't work at any elite NRL level. Well, you don't think for, for other Bus- clubs to have one player stay on one edge and one half to go on both sides, no, we need just, to give it a chance to work. You can't go off one performance, yeah. But he was never getting the ball, like, not, not once did Jake want to link with him at all. And like, they had chances early in the game to do something, and we just never did it. And then we never had the ball after. He's our leading try score assistant. I I just cannot fathom what they were thinking. Not what Jake Avrilo was thinking, not what what Trent Barrett was thinking. Because that coaching display is the worst I've ever seen. And it's been a a crap year. And we're just going backwards and forth, backwards and forth like a yo-yo all year. We put a couple of games on and we talk about moving forward, then we go backwards more. And we've got players and we've got a set of culture we can talk about the players missing out, but there's a culture set where's where your coach is meant to be setting it and your captain's meant to be setting it. Everything that you're saying there in regards to this performance, I find to- totally invalid because of no. what happened on the game. No, that's that's the that's the end of my opinion on that. Yeah, but we had plenty of op- we had the opportunity early on to maybe use something out of them, but we just didn't do it early and then we didn't have a chance later. For All right, you've you've had your opinion, I've had mine, we need to move on because we're going to okay. get circles. Okay, we'll go for the last one. My last point I want to talk about was before we go into the points is that the conversation at the end of this game was, you know, Seagulls, 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 and this whole week would have been about the Bulldogs, or the Seagulls' biggest win and the Bulldogs' loss and where next to the Bulldogs and what they're going to do. They've missed out Nick Meany and the recruitment and all that. They've missed Nick Meany and Sean Johnson. There's two players they've missed. 
for different reasons. I'm not blame, not saying that they don't want to come to Canterbury. Sean Johnson had a chance to go home. And, you know, can't blame him for doing that. That could have been the final straw. Nick Meany leaving after being offered a contract, what's been reported the same for both clubs, still left, which then you can't blame him for going to a higher thing. But do you think Trent Barrett on one hand, not putting aside, like there would have been a lot of, I reckon, conversation about Trent Barrett, if he, especially with the fans' point of view, from a neutral fan point of view, is the right person for the head coach. Would he have been thinking his lucky stars that the Dragons players broke COVID protocols to take all the news off him? Nobody cares about Trent Barrett <laughs> now. No, but I'm just saying that. I don't know, if, I don't know who would be thinking, thinking the lucky stars more, Barrett or Warburton. Well, okay, yeah, well, that's the point. But like, I'm just saying, like, you after the game, it was like you know Manly's biggest win on social media. There was all this Manly stuff and Bulldogs like lost. How can the Bulldogs lose by this many points? Mm. These COVID five players, what's happening there? And had Manly. Then Sunday morning, I was expecting you know to wake up and you know hear more about Manly's big win and and then yeah. you hear the well, Dragons take probably, the news away. It was probably that, but also the Roosters being smashed as well probably saved us. Even though okay. the smashing wasn't as big, but it was a bit bigger shocked. Like going yeah, was, into the weekend, if you said Bulldogs are going to lose by 66 to Manly, you'd go, oh no. But it wouldn't be that big of a shock if I then turn around and said, hey, the Roosters are going to lose by 40 or 50 or whatever it was to Melbourne. That yeah, would be, that's more of a shock as well. So I think there's a few things playing into that. That's a that's a fair point, but I was just thinking like, you know, Trent Barrett wakes up in the morning and goes like, "Yes, the, there's going to be none of that media attention this week at Belmore." Yeah, in well, regards to like about the loss because everyone's talking about this the sanctions well, of these Dragons players. Yeah, let's come to an end now. We know what's going on. We know what's happening with the suspension, so I'm sure the heat will start warming up on the dogs again, coming into Saturday night's game. Well, I was going to um, say with that's the players weird. returning, so. Hopefully we can have a better performance. Hopefully we get um, an opportunity for those players to come back into the team and prove themselves and make up for it a bit. Um, we get an opportunity to see the team improve. Well, well, can they? Yeah, so the, the best opportunity is, you know, putting on a performance, not necessarily a win against the Roosters, but a performance that, you know, you can be proud of at full time, that, you know, pushing it to the wire. You know, that first half against Parramatta, type of performance where you, you you know you could work off some stuff and then, you know like 30 minutes against Penrith or 20 minutes against South this year what we've done but yeah those players have got a lot to um hopefully they can you know come back and think you know you know one match out pretty lucky the, the timing they did it because of the uh the rep round being put in so they didn't miss too much game but yeah, we do take on the Roosters this Saturday at 7.30pm uh, kickoff. It is at Bankwest Stadium. Unfortunately, due to the uh, announcement earlier, is that the lockdown will continue for another week, so therefore no crowds at all will be permitted for this game. So we played behind closed doors again, which kind of sucks because this is our run of home games of our membership, what we spoke about last week. Um, we have it. I mean, I suppose if, you know, we play like we do against Parramatta and stuff like that, that first half, but stretch out for longer periods of time, got a chance to win. There's no James Tedesco for the Roosters or Angus Crichton. Mm. So there's a couple of key outs <laughs> for the Roosters. Yeah, there's still a Manu, a Tupu, a Morris, a, a Walker, we're Hargraves, Takiyahu, <laughs> Victor Radley comes back. <laughs> That's true. Well, I mean, oh, Victor, Victor could spend 30 minutes on the sidelines. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> No, you know, Roosters have been... Well, that's, that's actually a game plan, isn't it? 
Surely it's a game plan. You'd have to get under his skin. After yeah, what he's done this year, you'd have to try to get under his skin to get him to do something stupid to put the Roosters hit. down a player. Well, they've lost the Broncos this year, the Roosters. Then they've came off a 46-0 smashing against the Melbourne Storm with mm. their players in. Now they've lost their best player and Angus Crichton mm. as well, which is all of their best players. I'm just saying the best players by yeah, far, yeah. Teddy. Um, so that's a big loss. But like you said, uh, Manu at fullback, you know, yeah. they don't lose too much. I mean, they they get something else there. Where he's no slouch at fullback. He's probably got a better. They got a better fullback option than we probably have. <laughs> Not no disrespect That's, to Nick Mini or anything. Right, yeah. But then you got Josh Morris. We know how good he is. Mm. He can make things happen out of nothing. And then yeah, you've listed the Roosters players, what they have, what they've got. Um, but I'm just saying, there's they are weakened to what they were last week. But they'll be looking to bounce back. Luke Thompson has uh, set the target for the Bulldogs to have a bounce back in this game as mm. well. But both these teams are looking to bounce back. Roosters, yeah, you know, they've really got the inspiration to get off the, uh, get back in, like, get into that top four where we're looking to get off the bottom of the ladder. But however, the Broncos winning on the weekend makes it very, very difficult for us to get off it. And the way we lost almost hands us the wooden spoon this year. Yeah, unfortunately, that's all true. Um, war- the Roosters still go Warriors. The Roosters still go in there as heavy favourites. Oh, like, oh, and they should. They should be. Uh, our team this week: Nick Mendy at fullback, Corey Allen and Tui Katoa on the wings. Will Hopewadi in the centres with Aaron Shop returning. Kyle Flanagan at five eight. Um, I will say, on, hey, I said a big game for him. I'm yeah, sure absolutely. Um, up against the old club as well. Um, Interesting decision, that. I would have thought that um, Wakey would have got his spot back, given that all the other players from COVID did. Unless there's a injury concern there that we don't know about. Not sure. I would prefer both of our halves to play all over the field. Um, they'll have one player stuck on the left-hand side or, or the right-hand side, but um, we need to give it some more time to work there. I've realised the halfback uh, up front, Henry Tiller-Thompson, Katoa's the hooker. Second row of Waddell, Stimson, and Jackson. On the bench, Bailey Biondiodo keeps his um, position. Dylan Arpa, Oftahiki Ogden, and Redolf Otani uh, come into the squad on the bench. In the reserves, Lachlan Lewis, Jackson, Topoli, uh, Kiko Manu, and Chris Patolo. I think I wanted to add to you, like, I think I was thinking it was, did Sione Katoa got back in the starting lineup? Because of no Jerry Marshall King. Yeah. I wonder if he would have kept, if he would have been still in the 17, if Marshall King wasn't suspended. Yeah, it's it's a hard one to... Yeah, because it's very... Yeah. Probably you would have been. Bailey probably gets his second chance because of Marshall King being suspended. Okay. And then with Waddell coming back... Yeah. You've got Elliot, who's obviously injured. You've got Chris Smith, who's injured. Mm. Uh, Jackson Topin, he probably didn't play a great game. Not many did. Not to mm. be harsh against him. Didn't play a great game against Manly. So I don't know if that helped, like not playing a great game. Corey Waddell would be, you know, kicking himself playing. He would have played the old club. Well, I suppose they had to make some changes to the edges. Yeah, that's that's fair. Aaron Shop gets back in because he's been a great performer. There's no doubt about that mm. uh, this season. And, you know, he's made a mistake. He's the youngest of the, the bunch. Um. Wakem is the one who doesn't return, which it, you do raise an interesting question like that, like you know, mm. is he, is there something else happening, or what 
what's the go there, but he's one of those players that, you know, he was in the top grade side for the last couple of weeks, but he never really cemented that 5-8 spot. So when you do something like this, you yeah. know, you're at especially, risk of losing a spot. Especially at the changes of the halves. Yeah, and then obviously the MNFN guy has been suspended. So mm-hmm. has that opened the door up for Dylan Narf to come back in? Or is that Latoni's spot? Yeah, all three are replacing him. So that'd be interesting yeah. to it's see. A different, it's a very different um, pack yeah, slash no. bench. Um, It'd be interesting to see when, if if we have a good game that we you know play quite well, and yeah. so we can build off again. Obviously, uh, Menafengo will come back into that side. You know, he will be someone in the change bench. Yeah, it would be interesting to see who he would take off the bench between Ogden, or it could be a battle out between Ogden and Tony and Napa. Or yeah, let's see, guys. And just, I'd I'm say, just saying, it's quite interesting. Yeah, Napa would probably be safe. It'd probably be Ogden and Lotani. I've just realised we haven't done our points for last week. I was thinking that while we're running through the team <laughs> list, actually, All we right, got so... carried away a little bit. I think yeah. in disagreement, we forgot to think, but. I can tell you one thing, though, before the listeners, before they get the points, is that we might have had a disagreement on the playing style of Canterbury, but we didn't have a disagreement on the players that got the points, just in the wrong order. Yeah. Well, well I'll um, let you release it. Yeah, well, I wasn't sticking up for the playing style. I was sticking up that you can't judge it at this stage. But anyway, um, okay, I gave my one point to Josh Jackson. Uh, he had. If you look through his stats, he had a workmanlike game. Um, and then, if if um, we would have won this game somehow, uh, it would have definitely been brought up. He played 80 minutes for 16 runs, 120 meters, and made 50 tackles. So therefore, um, one point to Josh Jackson, and maybe a bit contra, which is your two pointer. So he gets yeah. the bonus point as well, uh, which rockets him up the the list a little bit there. Uh, and also getting um, well, getting my two points and your one point might be a little bit controversial, but we both had him, so he gets uh, the full complement of bonus points as well. Bailey Biondi Odo. He only played 14 minutes, so um, if you look at the stats, three runs for 20 metres doesn't sound too flash, but um, I think when he came onto the field, um, he, almost, he almost barged over a try. I yes. think he... Um, he force a dropout? Mm-hmm. Or no, come he... close to forcing a dropout. Um, I, I thought he, he was an attacking spark. He looked like the the brightest attacking spark that we had all game. So for that, I gave him two points. Yeah, so that's, that's why yeah, I gave him the point. I just wanted to add with our Bailey Bondiota is that when he when he came on the field this week, oh, like when against Manly, like you know, he was what was like something like fifty something nil. Yeah. Or high forties nil. Young guy debut can't impact the result of the game, right? Quite easy for him to kick, you know, stones and you know this is too hard or anything like that. You know, quite easy to feel, yeah, quite yeah, quite easy to be feeling flat, go missing like you said. But he came on, he did everything in his power to have, um, to influence the game in a positive way for the Bulldogs, and I I think that's like a champion's attitude. Absolutely, and so, um... that's why I gave him the point. I think if you go if we rewind to a previous episode, I think I said that he'd be a better player than Wakeham at the end of their careers if we compare the two players. And uh, there's no disrespect to uh, Wakeham, but after that 14 minutes, I think I'm on the money. I'm well, right at the moment. You that was you, very impressive, and that's not a shot at Wakeham. That's not a shot at Wakeham at all. I'm not saying Wakeham's a shit player or anything like that. Uh, I actually quite like watching Brendan Wakeham play. It's just a rap on Bailey. 
Yeah, no, uh, fair comment. You, you did make that last week. I do remember yeah. that one being said. <laughs> and, yeah, no, you had a great 14 minutes. And Absolutely. hopefully uh, this week when I'm guessing he might play the same, he might get more time now that uh, Marshall King is not in the side. That no matter the result of the game, I want him to come on with that championship-like attitude, you know, that don't go missing. He actually surprised me a bit. Looking at the team lineup last week, I thought he was going to come on as the backup hooker. But I've only ever seen him play in the halves before, so I didn't know how that would suit him. Yeah. But but he did really well. Uh, Yeah, he did really well. And, you know, it's not an easy place to defend being that young as well. No. For even 14 minutes. And especially when it wasn't an easy day to defend at all for Canterbury at all. <laughs> but, yeah. All righty. Yeah. I think uh, it's time, Scotty. It's time, time for your favourite part of the week. Yeah, it's old dog. Um, I picked a, a player that, you know, God, I would love to have him today. What a fan favourite. I'm just going to say it's Matt Utai. Uh, the reason I picked him, that try against the Roosters, when it could have, you know, gone for the field goal, the Brayford Astro at the background. I think everyone knows what we're talking about gone down the short side of Brent Shell and I think your favourite player, and then Utah does the rest. What an underrated player. 127 games for the Bulldogs. Absolutely love Matt Utah. Uh, New Zealand and Samoan International, 71 tries. You know, he actually played 40 games for West Tigers. I knew he went on to the West Tigers in 2011. Yeah. I didn't realise he got the, he left at 2013. Didn't realise he was there for that long, you know what I mean? I thought it was only a season, just remembering, like, thinking back about it. But, like, you know, what a... Genuine Canterbury legend. You know, he had the the, the the spray paint hair, the blue and yeah. white hair after the salary cap scandal. Like, you know, I was just like, that's amazing. Like, it's just Canterbury through and through. You had Haswell Majory on the right. You had Matt Utah on the left wing. You had the pocket rocket, you know, such powerful legs. He had those tree trunk-like legs, didn't he? That what he lacked in size, those, those fires um, definitely made up for it. And he was hard to stop as a winger. And he was quick. Hard and quick. I remember him running the length of the field to score a try off a kickoff. The controversial one where he may have knocked it on, but, you know, <laughs> but he still had to run yeah, past everyone. That's that's the one that people go back to, but he did it a few times. Mm. It's, well, um, I think the maybe the knock on was the... Maybe the reason it sticks out a little bit. Yeah, Controversial, absolutely. yeah. Representing the Zealand four times, Samoa three times at World Cups, Yeah. What a, what a career. Um, I remember definitely a fan favourite, especially when he came out with the blue and white hair like you touched on. But, um, what, yeah, it definitely goes down as a... Um, even though, it, compared to some other Bulldogs legends, um, might not have been around as long. But um, it definitely goes down as a Bulldogs legend in my eyes. Well, 100%. You look at the time he came to the Bulldogs, 2002, he made his debut. To yep. 2009... Yeah, obviously, the 2002 team, the salary cap. The 2003 side made the finals. 2004 side, um, you know, obviously the grand final, and he was on the wing that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had the 2005, there was the injury year where everyone, not, was a fair few injuries gone around, and he was someone who suffered a little bit. In 2008, he suffered a bit. 2006 and 7, he made finals again, and he was involved in it. So, like, almost every year he had, like, a full involvement. There was, you know, success. Um with him, and then you, you look at those eras like again, like I said, you have pretty much part of the era. 2009, he didn't get to play as much because Bryson Goodwin came across and was a shock selection that yeah. season for Matt Utah, unfortunately. But in saying that, like you know, he played you know with the likes of you know, Shell and Patton, 
Hughes Perry, you know, yeah, some definitely, really definitely played at a really successful time uh, for the club. Um, and, and yeah, and he's one of those like cult type players too, wasn't he? Everyone at the Bulldogs loved Matt Utai. Um, watching him play, our two shortest wiggers were <laughs> in the yeah. competition for a long time, <laughs> um, but still made it work. But yeah, it was very effective. Um, probably the last time you'll see two wingers in the same team that such <laughs> such height. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what a legend. Uh, um, it's hard. It's I'm trying to get hard to um, to find words for it. To be honest, um, apart from legend. <laughs> well, read this right. 127 games for the Bulldogs, right? And I don't like to judge people on games as much because, like you said, like when you look at legends who played in the 80s and 70s mm. who didn't have those long as a competition or, you know, they had to work outside of football yeah. or played in a very successful era, it takes them a while to get into the, the grade and, you know, even the or last less five, games. Yes, games. But you look at even look at this era, like, you know, sports science has really ramped up since Matt Utah's career. And it's funny, you know, he's still a, a recent player, but, you know, sports science has definitely ramped up where recovery times are shorter and everything like that. But 127 games for the Bulldogs, uh, you judge him as a legend for the era he played in to play that many games. Because I think if you've got walked away with 20 games or so, that's pretty damn legendary in that type of era he played in. 71 tries. That's um, that's like the strike rate's insane. 71 tries in 127 NRL games. Like You'd just be surprised when Matt Utah's name wasn't on the score sheet. When Bulldogs were playing. Yeah, he just threw Dude, people just threw people aside with his strength. He had some footwork as well and uh don't uh, knock his, the skill that he had. Mm, I just I actually I mean there's one other player that I wish you know we could clone. Well let's face it, any player that played in two thousand and four <laughs> has a, has a special place in the heart of all Bulldogs fans, so that's true. That's it true. might be it might be nice to leave it on that and uh, hit the socials. Yeah, get in touch with us on Twitter at NRL Bulldogs fans. Our Instagram page is at NRL Bulldogs underscore fans. Facebook, NRL Bulldogs fans podcast. And you can flick us an email, NRL Bulldogs dot fans at gmail.com.